Welcome back to The Sighting Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, if you follow The Sighting Lap on social media, you will know exactly what this week's podcast episode is all about. To finish the 2023 season on a high, we are doing The Sighting Lap Awards. Woo! Yeah, cue for applause, everyone. Um, myself and Harvey are here this week for the final podcast episode of 2023. Harvey, a few words on 2023 as a whole. Sum up your season as we finish our last episode of the year. In one word. One word, a couple words, whatever comes to mind. Spectacular. Okay. I thought since we're all dressed up, quite bougie, I thought I'd use a fancy <laughs> word. Well, yeah, so hopefully this podcast makes it to YouTube too, so you'll be able to see us. Harvey and I have been dressed up for the occasion. We've been dropping hints on our social media now for over a week, and we've been asking you guys to vote in the Siding Lap Awards. And yeah, this is it. I can't believe it's the last episode of the year. If I was going to sum it up in a word, I would say long. Um very tired <laughs> exhausted um and ready for wonder, a bit of a break I, over christmas i wonder how you feel after this season I, I and we don't even work in the paddock this is what scares me <laughs> oh yeah we did a lot this year though we did a lot too much way too much i mean just in the setting lap itself we did so much this season i mean at the start of the year we did a woman in motorsport project then we attended a lot of races throughout sort of the spring and summer and then the flyaways on top of interviews opportunities like going to donington park with world superbikes it's been a pretty crazy year so i feel like saying tired is a pretty valid response to how we feel about the 2023 season God, it's been much crazier, I'd say, um, which probably does sum up how the the actual racing season has gone as well. Oh, for probably sure. Been, probably been the most manic season of GP I can remember in quite a while. Yeah, which we love to see. And in saying that, this is exactly what the Setting Lab Awards are all about. We've taken some inspiration from the end of season awards that happen every single year. And we thought, let's do our own. Because at those award ceremonies, you know, first, second and third get their medals. You get to see Peko put his wee name on the trophy. And then that's pretty much it. I think best overtake, couple rookies of the year. And then other than that, you don't really get to to hear much about what happened throughout the year. So we took matters into our own hands, let the fans vote with some, I don't know, pre-made answers. Like we all picked our favourite moments from the season and then let the fans vote from our options. So the the four of us here at the Siding Lap did just that and we got a really, really good response, which I'm so glad about because I always worry that no one's going to reply to these sorts of things. But we got an absolutely fantastic response from the fans. So... And you guys listening. So now we have the awards to go through. So let's just start with the first one, which is obviously the best race of 2023. Now we left this open from every single race of the season. So you had 20 rounds to choose from this year. 
Harvey, if you had to harbor a guess at what won this year, what what would you say? Oh, I felt like we had some manic flyaways. I feel like those are probably the craziest races. Um, uh, I feel like maybe we had quite a few first wins, quite a few emotional wins. So Australia, Qatar, they might be all be on the cards. Obviously, Argentina with Bezeki winning at the start of the year. Oh, um, if I was to pick, I'd probably go Qatar. Ooh, interesting. I feel like that's a lot of emotion towards Didier and yeah. getting last-minute ride. Okay. Well, Qatar wasn't even in the top three of oh, the wow. votes. Yep. So I suppose I'll start in third place then. I think that's the best way to do it. And we had uh, a joint place for third between Valencia and India. Ooh. Bit, bit random. I thought, well, India was good. I suppose Alicia Spagaro won Silverstone this year, so that's maybe why people picked that. But third place really, really shocked me this year. Yeah. Um, India. Just, I don't know how a race could be so exciting with someone winning by eight seconds. This this almost reminds... It, it was quite Rossi-esque, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe why the uh, the race gained a lot of fans. I think it being a new place as well, we were all so excited yeah. to go there and all the controversy heading into India and then it ended up being quite a success. Yeah, plus it was, I mean, it was such a cool track as well. I mean, you know, I think well, we had our doubts. The crowd was absolutely buzzing. Uh, whilst the attendance numbers actually weren't awful high, there was so much noise. Yeah. If... You know, more and more fans come to the track year upon year upon year. This might be one of the best races in the in the on the calendar to come. Yeah, we could be in for yeah one of the best races on the calendar in terms of attendance and spectacular racing. In second place, though, we had Thailand. Now I wonder why that could be. <laughs> we had some mad racing in Thailand between Jorge Martin, Peku Bangai, and Brad Binder. Peku trying to make that move around the outside. Like, yeah, I think I voted for Thailand myself. Definitely one of the best races of the season, without a doubt. I think it was probably the best last lap of the season. Australia. Oh, God, yeah. Last lap. I don't know. It had a few laps where it was exciting, but Australia was solely the last lap that was exciting. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough then. Okay. And I think that's why Australia has taken it for the best race of the season. I was really, really shocked by this. I mean, I know we've seen a lot of things there. Obviously, Johan Zarco's first win, Fabio Di Antonio's first main race podium in MotoGP. I mean, it was a lot to be excited for. But I'm really, really surprised that it's been voted the best race of the season because it was just the final lap. I know there was a few laps before where it was a bit cat and mouse and we were wondering whether or not Jorge Martin had made the correct tyre choice. But if that race had finished one lap sooner, it would have been one of the most boring races of the season. I think there's there's a bit of a magic to Phillip Island that I think people are quite synonymous with. And because it delivered on the last lap, a battle between five, you know, which in nowadays MotoGP is, you know, that's the past. These yeah. big group scraps. Um, 
So coming to Phillip Island every year, obviously last year was spectacular and probably was the race of the season. Um, I don't disagree with this one, to be fair. Um, I think the whole weekend was the whole weekend was so exciting. Um, obviously with weather and stuff like this, and you know, it got moved to a Saturday. And I just remember waking up, seeing Johan Zarko on my phone, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I never thought he would do it. He did. Um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of emotions into that one. So I, I would say it's a worthy winner. Yeah, it's clearly a fan favourite. And to be fair, it definitely was up there, in my opinion, of best races this season. But there you have it. Australia has been voted as the best race of the season let's move on then to our next category which is best overtake now this did get decided at the Moodle GP beats ceremony and Mark Marquez won it but I'm not gonna lie I think the four overtakes that were chosen for the Moodle GP awards were just a bit meh I don't know because my my pick made the shortlist <laughs> Okay. For the for GP's one as well. I just can't. I just I think the one. I I'm glad that Mark Marquez won something this year, but I don't know. I didn't think he won. He, he won the most crashes as well. That's you know that's two awards. Yeah, but he didn't get an actual award. <laughs> he got he got the fans the fans honor or dishonor. Yeah, I suppose you could put it that way. But the four crashes four crashes. Now you have me talking nonsense. The four overtakes that we chose here at the styling lab included any and all moves made by Jorge Martin and Peko Bagnaia during the German Grand Prix Fabio Di Giantonio's move on Peko Bagnaia to win his first race in Qatar Johan Zarco's last lap move to take his first MotoGP win in Australia and Jorge Martin on Fabio Quattararo for second place in India I mean, four very good overtakes. Yeah. I don't know if people would have voted for the the out, the outcome uh sorry, the overtake with the best outcome or just the best overtake in general. Yeah. The most daring move or whether, you know, the biggest implications. I don't know if this one could be tight. <laughs> well, because Australia won best race of the season, I think it might be because of Johan Zarco's last lap move to take his first MotoGP win in Australia. This overtake won by a landslide. People loved it. And I think, like we mentioned, you know, five laps to go, you could sort of say that we could be on for a last lap battle and a Johan Zarco MotoGP win. And the fashion that he did it, no wonder that this one has clearly won head and shoulders above the rest. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be one of those unforgettable ones, to be honest. Yeah. Last, first win. And you almost enjoy those first wins where they've been waiting for so long rather than, you know, the first wins that come out and shock you straight away. Um, you know, you could talk about Enea Bastianini's first win, but we knew he had that class already and it was fast already. But the fact that Johan Zarco had been trying and trying and trying for years and he could have, you know, how many second places did he have? Countless. We 
probably don't even have a stat for that. Um, off the top of my head, anyway. There's quite a few. Anyway, um, the fact that he'd been really, really trying and trying and trying, and he finally got it done. I think that's. I think that's just what pushed it. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah. I mean, this race was just clearly the best with the best overtakes too. In second place, I'll just quickly mention that Fabio Di Antonio's move on Peko Bagnaia at the Qatar Grand Prix came in its second, like I said. And in um third place then was any and all moves made by Peko Bagnaia or Jorge Martin during the German Grand Prix. I think that was just because it was a quite a, a battle on track. And at that point, Jorge Martin wasn't in the title fight. So it was really interesting to watch. And then Jorge Martin obviously pipped Peko to the line. And some could say that was the start of this year's rivalry. Yeah, and I'd almost say it was a massive kind of redemption after a poor season last year, um, which obviously saw Enea Bastianini taking the factory seats over Jorge Martin. So I think it was I think it was a massive relief on the back of his shoulders and almost when he started winning, he couldn't stop. Yeah, definitely. But that is best overtake. Let's move on then to the third category, which is the best after race celebration. So the nominees, I should actually be calling all of these. The first one then is Alex Rins doing a shoe after winning at Coda with LCR Honda. I mean, pretty iconic. The second one is Johan Zarco's first backflip celebration in over seven years. That's how long we've been waiting for Johan Zarco to win a MotoGP race, guys. Third option then was Maverick the Batman Vinales podium celebrations in Indonesia. I still don't know why he did that, but it was funny. <laughs> it was just iconic, to be honest. Yeah. It was so, so weird. And we were all sleep deprived. And all of a sudden he's out here in a Batman costume. thought I was hallucinating when I was watching it live. Um, and the fourth option then was Pedro Acosta's pizza delivery service in Mugello. I mean, that was pretty darn good. If that doesn't show you that Pedro Acosta is something special, I don't know what will what a celebration. What a character. How excited are we to have him in MotoGP next year? God, I think this could be the second coming of Rossi. The celebrations, <laughs> the ridings, the, 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 the flat out riding. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, he's he, he's not too bad, is he? No, I think he's pretty, pretty decent, some could say. I don't know. But, but um, if... arguable. <laughs> If you had a harbour guess at this one, Harvey, what are you thinking? I feel like I feel like there might be a, a trend and I'm going Trevor these awards. Um so at a very, very outside guess, I'm gonna go with the backflip. Yeah, you're right. I mean, could it be anything else? The Australia theme rings on. Again, even a more overwhelming response than the best overtake. Zarko's backflip nearly won by a landslide here. There was only a couple votes for the other three options. People loved the backflip and we're so glad to finally see it again. I mean, all the videos went viral, didn't they? All the fan videos, um, 
whatever was on the was on the TV feed just went every like it just bombarded my social media for the whole it day. It still does. I get clips all the time on TikTok, Instagram. Oh yeah. Memories popping up throughout the season when like Moodoo GP are talking about things that happened throughout the season. Like I can't escape it. This backflip is gonna be etched into my memory forever. And he's done loads of them before, but I think just because this is his first Moodoo GP like, win, it just makes it so much special. So much more special. Yeah. Fair enough. Second place, surprisingly, well, actually not so surprisingly, was Pedro Costa's pizza delivery service in Mugello. I mean, what a character, what a kid, what a guy. We'll see it, we'll see it again. We'll see it again soon. Do you think, do you think this could become like an annual Mugello thing or do you think he's just going to keep outdoing himself in the celebrations? I I think he's going to keep outdoing himself. I I think he's, he's asserted himself as a character and i think that we shouldn't be we shouldn't be pondering whether he is going to do a celebration we we should be pondering what it is <laughs> yeah i suppose so i mean his when he won the championship this year his celebrations were good and obviously he's like called the shark i think it translates to because he's from like a fishing town in spain and like he's got the whole nickname, the celebrations, you know. It's very exciting. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> and then let me see. Third place then was Alex Rins doing a shoey after winning at Kota. This has become a tradition. I mean, he won on the Suzuki and then he won with the LCR Honda. Could he win next year on a Yamaha? Could we see the show oh, yeah. happen for a third year? I think I've I've been seeing so many tweets saying that um, whilst we were talking about Maverick and Jack becoming the first um, first riders to win on three manufacturers, I still think it'll be Alex Rins. Oh, 100%. I mean, Jack Miller had a chance to do it in Valencia and completely dumped it down the road and lost that opportunity i would still have my money on alex runes oh yeah no offense to maverick obviously just i just think Coda's quite early in the season obviously he managed to win with lcr i think it could be a surprise like that he's moving back to an inline four engine he's gonna be fully fit hopefully and the yamaha should be a tiny bit better it can't get any worse, can it? But if you can win on a Honda around Kota, you can win on a Yamaha. Exactly, exactly. So hopefully the Shui celebration lives on. I love seeing it. Moving on then to our next category, category number four, is the biggest surprise. Now, we left this open to any rider, any moment, in any class anything just left it completely completely open but again there was a pretty overwhelming response for the biggest surprise of this season without a shadow of a doubt it had to be Fabio Antonio. he was such a talking point this season especially in the second half of the season after we found out that he was losing his seat at Grissini to none other than Mark Marquez we all sort of thought oh, well, maybe he'll go to World Superbikes or maybe he'll do this or back down to Moto2 and then all those doors sort of closed and we didn't really know what was going to happen. 
He could have went to Honda. And then eventually, finally, seat opened up at VR46. But this guy, I think he scored after Pekka Banyaya and Jorge Martin, I think at the end of the season, after the last nine races, I think he was the third highest scorer. He'd, I think he'd um, compared his first 13 races compared to his last seven. In his last seven, he tripled his points tally. What? That actually doesn't even surprise me. He was so bloody good. Oh, yeah. Once he, he had the Ducati figured out and just absolutely... I mean, we were we were quite happy with, you know, his top five finishes. Um, he was best independent in one race and we were all just saying like, oh, you know, he's going to be... This is, you know, this is pretty good. He's going to be good. Um, and then he just goes yeah. out. Podium, win, another podium, got stripped. But anyway. Um, nah, he got that podium. I'm not taking Valencia away from him. Yeah, exactly. Um, could have got the win there as well. Yeah. But, not his place to take the win in that race. But nah, it nah. makes you very, very excited for next season, especially because he's got that confirmation under his belt. He's secure. He's got the VR46 ride. And the momentum from that second half of the season coming now into the first half of 2024 put Fabio Didi into a new down on a list of people to look out for because yeah with form like that oh I'm just so excited for 2024 <laughs> I think there's so many there's so many big moves yeah so many new face well one new face but a massive new face yeah and um, I'm probably already going to bet on who's my rookie of the year. Well, he's already won it, technically. Yeah, well, I think he has to complete a race first or something. I don't know what it is. Although, Augusto got, Fernandez took quite a long award. time to win it this year. Yeah, he got awarded it half... Well, I don't know. Maybe he needs to mathematically beat, like... I think you have to score so many points and then before the end... You know, it's very similar to, like, winning the championship. You have to have so many... Uh, I don't know. Was there any new like? Was there any riders who did like a wild card or a placement who weren't who'd never done MotoGP before? No. I'm trying to think because. No. No, all of them had. But I think like if if a wild card or you know a replacement rider had come in that was technically a rookie, and had scored more points than Augusto Fernandez, surely he would win it over Augusta. So I think that's why they have to wait quite a while before they can maybe like, mathematically yeah. actually um, hand it out to someone. I don't think so, because Pedroza, Laquona, Folga, um, Petrucci did a wild card. Yeah, there's no way. Bautista, Bradle. Unless they someone throws a spanner in the works and brings a rookie in and they somehow beat Pedro Acosta, I'd say he has it. That's not happening, though. I mean, it's Pedro Acosta we're talking about here. Exactly, exactly. I could see top five finishes from Pedro Acosta next year. So In the championship. We'll just have to see about that one. But, 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 back to the point. Fabio Di Giantonio is our biggest surprise of the season. We had a lot of votes for David Alonso in Moodle 3. And if I was saying that you need to have Fabio Di Giantonio on your Who to Look Out For for 2024, right underneath needs to be David Alonso. Rookie, 
and third in the championship in Moodoo 3 this year. On the Asbar bike, he is going places and he is going to be championship contender right off the bat next season. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Full stop. Mic drop. Sorted. <laughs> Another person who had a lot of votes was Fromine Aldeguer. I think there's a bit of a running theme in this category in particular of just dominant performances and when they get to the front you cannot stop them and for me Aldeguer is definitely one of those people. Another year on the Boscos Guru speed up machine, another year with his teammate Alonso Lopez, that seems to be working well, it seems to be gelling and I'd said it before, going into 2024, if you look at his last however many races that he won or was on the podium, he was so dominant in the second half of the season. Pedro Costa didn't even have an answer for him. So he is definitely a big, big surprise. But in the same breath, is he that big of a surprise? We always have sort of had Fermin Aldeguer on the back burner, sort of talking about him that he will eventually make his way to the front. the... I think the the absolute dominance of the last quarter of the season is was, the surprise. Yeah, we expected him to win, but not race after race after race. I mean, what was it? Four in a row. Four, yeah, four in a row. And a, and another in Silverstone. And it was like a podium in Australia, and then won the, the next four races. Yeah, plus his winning. Yeah, and then a win in Silverstone. Five, yeah, five races. Is that more than Tony Arbolino? Um, possibly, a, yeah, actually. It's a terrible start to the season. Yeah, and he also managed to secure third place in the championship over Jake Dixon, who had a much stronger first half of the season than the second half of the season. But, I mean, Jake would have needed a miracle in that last, last race in Valencia to hold on to P3 in the championship. And the way that Fermin was going, he was literally unstoppable. Oh, yeah, there was no way. Yeah. I think that's... When I look through the answers for this one, there's a few, you know, one-off little answers, lots of... A few different... um, Like Alex Rins. A um, few people said Jorge Martin. A uh, few people said Jake Dixon. A few people said Bezeki. I think there's a few, like... there's There's little justifications for them. Yeah. Not, in, not enough. I mean, little was in, you know, little tiny things. That yeah, you can, like a wee nod of like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, they did this, but we didn't expect them to go this mile. And yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, third place being for me, second place being Dav Alonso, and first place being Fabio Di Antonio. I would say that is pretty, pretty fair. So. Let's flip that one on its head now for the next category. It is biggest disappointment. Now, this one again was left open to anyone's response, uh, similar to the biggest surprise. And this was a rider or a moment in any class as well. We actually had a tie for this one um, with quite a few votes for both Johan Mir and Miguel Oliveira, but our independent judges have made a decision and they have 
I was gonna say, unfortunately, oh, I hate handing this I'll just one out. Clapping, actually. Yeah, yeah. we have awarded the biggest disappointment to Johan Mayer this season. This is where we go, like, oh, yeah, we'll rather than clap. Yeah, um, I mean, jumping onto the Honda, I think we expected maybe a turnaround in Honda's fortunes at the start of the year. I think we saw not John Mir to be at his Suzuki best, but at least take a st- or at least to help the Honda take a step. I think that's what we expected in the season. And we didn't see that. We saw absolutely nothing. Um, injuries, crashes, crashes, poor performances, crashes, um crashes <laughs> now you're being mean there were 50 between mark and joan mir is that all and crashes <laughs> I, I i think the fact that there's been you know more crashes per uh than races uh sorry then rounds for each rider just just tells yeah it speaks volumes i think you you've hit the nail on on the head there that we expected not a lot from johan mir we knew stepping onto the honda that it was going to be a struggle but i think just expecting him possibly like top 10 finishes consistently would have been a pretty like accurate of like okay heading into 2023 he's a former world champion we know the honda isn't great but this guy is good so he's going to be able to make the difference but that just did not happen whatsoever and then when you've got your teammate mark marquez who said he'd, he'd rather push and crash than finish outside the top 10 you can sort of understand why he was getting on the way that he was getting on. But then you have Mir, who's finishing outside of the top 10 and crashing so often as well. It's interesting. And I'm not surprised that a lot of people voted for him this year as a big disappointment. Yeah, I think with Oliveira, it was just a lot of misfortune. Unlucky, yeah. He did have his good performances. And actually... Before the crash, his Portimao round was very good. Exactly. He was on Um, for a podium. Silverstone finished in the top four. Other races did well. So he was there and about. I mean, I can give probably kudos to Joan Mir for India, um, which was an incredible round for the Hondas. Um, But obviously, maybe overlook the fact that India's new track, a lot of unknowns. Yeah, well, we'd see the same this year, probably. Probably not, but... Yeah, either way, um, congratulations... No, not actually congratulations. Um, sorry, Drummer, you were, you, you were fairly disappointed. Yeah, I think... I think we can lob Honda in there with the biggest disappointment, too. Like, it's the bike that he was on, and to be fair... With that sort of machinery, yeah. Was anyone going to do well? Mark took quite a lot of damage. Alex Rins was out for pretty much the whole season, uh, or like two thirds of it. 
Yeah. Um Nakagami was was nowhere. Um the replacements didn't do amazing well. I mean, we don't expect them to, but still. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was just really difficult. And I you know, you see the social media posts every week. However many Japanese bikes at the at the bottom, you know, all Japanese bikes to the bottom six and stuff like that. You know, it's horrible, really, to see. Yeah, definitely. Second place then was Miguel Oliveira for biggest disappointment. I think Harvey explained that one pretty well. Of for me, I think it was just crashes that weren't his fault you know when you look at that first round crash with Mark Marquez he was a sitting duck there's nothing he could have done and that took him out for a while then there was further injuries later on in the season too and yeah it's you can rule his season off or be a little bit lighter on him when you look at some of the crashes he was involved with due to other other riders uh, a lot of Mir's crashes were crashes that he'd made himself so I think that's the difference between between the two now there wasn't a, an overwhelming response for a third place uh, for biggest disappointment but I will mention a few this is very similar to the biggest surprise where there's a, quite a few nods to some disappointing <laughs> people or moments so a few people actually said Anaya Bastidini which before recording Harvey and I read this and we're like surely not i i i think i think the injuries were the disappointing part um i think that's harsh to say he was a disappointment i mean he won a grand prix this year as well exactly you know for with what with the races that he did have yeah some of them weren't up there but he was recovering from injury from pretty much most of them and then he won a grand prix I mean, I wouldn't to, call it disappointing, but in a Grand Prix, you must you, you've got to be some sort of class. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that one would get you roused. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it might be a bit biased. I think, um, so. um, there was also a few people who commented that Jorge Martin in interviews or maybe after races or some comments that he's made throughout the season were disappointing um now obviously there's been some things that have happened after season two where he's made some comments um not gonna touch on those um because those are out of line um but comments maybe that he made throughout the year some people are saying i think maybe don't really like how he conducted himself maybe the ones in qatar after he lost the race and blamed it on his tires tires um (laughs) You know, yes, I would we also not say that in that situation? You know, a lot of these athletes are, issues. A lot of athletes are, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if anyone's done a, a race of, of, of any sorts, you're gonna get frustrated, you're gonna blame stuff that isn't your own. Um, and you're basically just gonna be a sore loser. Um, everyone's got that within them, and I think it's just human nature. Yes. Probably not great that we saw it on camera uh, or saw it in print, but I think that's human nature. Everyone yeah. acts like that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it happen to Jake Dixon at one point this season. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up again. Don't but... get me started. 
<laughs> riders in the heat of the moment after you know a big incident or a big crash or a bad result um it's not surprising that sometimes they react the way that they react because like I said you have to put yourselves in their shoes and yeah. you probably would react the same if it was you in that situation so it's it's hard to be upbeat and positive all the time oh there's a lot there's I mean this is one of the most in- adrenaline filled sports in the world you know everything is feelings adrenaline emotions are all just high while you're while you're riding while you're racing so again everything's going to come out how many times have you seen riders throwing gloves helmets whatever in their garages just think of Isangovar last year in America (laughs) tantrums yeah it happens to everyone so we're not surprised um a few others though a few said Aaron Cannon which I think is I I think I think Aaron Cannon had an Aaron Cannon season yep uh couple of people said Fabio Quattararo, which... Machinery. Machinery. Possibly personal. Not sure. My bias will come out in this answer when I'm like, no, he, he did great this year. What are you talking about? Um, and then a couple of people actually mentioned that Rory Skinner, uh, that situation with the American Racing Team and him being left without a ride at the end of the season with a lot of decent seats already filled... Still no confirmation at the time of recording this podcast, and this is the 13th of December, uh, where Rory is going to be next season. So, yeah, I would say that is quite a disappointing moment. It's funny, but also very upsetting at the same time that in his Instagram bio, he has tagged Job Centre Plus UK. <sighs> at least he sees the funny side in it. Don't laugh or cry. Um... <sighs> I think he might have said that actually to Everything Motor Racing, who did point that out on I his mean, stories. I'll okay. have to see if I can find it. Well, then there you go. Um, yeah, he said, yeah, Declan tagged him in the Everything Motor Racing stories, and he said, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. And that's from Rory Skinner himself. Great minds think alike. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, the situation was disappointing, but you know, how, how many times have we seen it in racing now, I suppose? I think one thing we have learned this year is contracts mean absolutely nish. Zilch, zero, nada. It's, yeah, it's rough to be a, a rider in the lower classes out there at the minute, but fingers crossed for Rory Skinner and getting a good ride for next season. I heard Beer Monster Ducati are looking for a rider in BSB, and that's where my money is on. So hopefully that happens. Um, <laughs> we will uh-huh. move on, though, to the biggest what the frick moment don't want to swear on the podcast wtf biggest wtf moment Ooh, i think there were quite quite a few there were a lot but the nominees for this one were mark marquez crashes into johan zarko leaving pit lane at the german grand prix i was watching a highlights reel of the season and completely forgot that this happened I think we we we'd almost got to the the shock where we almost thought Zarko was killed. Yeah. Killed, seriously injured, and the fact that he actually got up after thirty seconds and walked away. Probably the biggest WTF. I, I think we've had a few crashes 
like that this season. I think of Sergio Garcia in the last round in Valencia. Literally gonna say that as well. Um, Peco in Barcelona. Oh yeah, um, how you break anything? Who who couldn't forget that? I mean, sitting in the stands in Barcelona, everyone's gone silent. You just wanted to throw in that you were there. I mean, yes, but at the same time, I think it's a you know, I think it's a valid. Addition. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a few crazy ones. Um, but thankfully, they're not all crashes. Um, but that one was definitely a WTF moment at the German Grand Prix. And I think it showed that maybe Saxon Ring needs to have a layout change or is it getting too small for MotoGP bikes? Even though it does provide good racing, it is getting a bit unsafe. Um, the second nominee for biggest WTF moment was Alicia Spagro slapping Franco Morbidelli on the head during FP2 in Qatar. This one has been such a talking point ever since it happened. Oh, it had to be in here because what what was going through his head when he thought, I'm going to slap him? Just a moment of stupidity from the most experienced rider in the paddock. I think that's probably my worst part. The fact that he is the most experienced rider in the paddock. He yeah. is probably the voice of the riders. Um, mm-hmm. He's all about safety. He's all about, you know, just making, you know, making the riders heard. And then he goes and does that. It's a bit dodgy. Yeah. Um... So... Yeah, um, not not a fan, Alish. No, definitely. If I if I had to if I had to be brutally honest, I'm not a fan. Definitely not. Um, the third nomination for this category was the shock, I suppose, of Mark Marquez leaving Honda after eleven years together. This was definitely um, my biggest what moment of the season. I think. Leaving Honda was the face of the shock. But then you've also got to remember, he's leaving Santi after 13 years. Not sure, yeah. Um, He's leaving Repsol after basically his whole career. You know, so, you know, he's leaving so much behind. It's not just Honda. It's a big, bold move to make. It's it's one of I mean, is it on par with Rossi from a Honda to Yamaha? I don't remember it. That's the problem. Like I was alive oh, when I, it happened, but I was I wasn't oh, showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the implications of 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 Rossi from Honda to Yamaha. It was more of a you know. More of you know Rossi showing what you know. Yeah, I I think do. you can compare them, but they're very different because obviously Mark had all the glory with Repsol Honda, whereas Rossi yes had won titles, but wanted to prove that he could do it on different machinery well, too. Rossi is a Yamaha rider. Mm-hmm. That's what people remember him as. Exactly. Weird to think that he won his first championships in MotoGP on a Honda. Won his first five hundred cc. In with a Honda mm-hmm. and the last 500 cc yep. the <laughs> last nominee for this category was Moto3 as a whole was just the biggest WTF moment of the season and I, I think, would uh, I, think the, 
I think the lol at the end kind of just added. Oh yes, yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I didn't problem. add it. <laughs> Bill Thanks, Carly. I uh, forgot to take that out actually, <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, and just ran with it when I was making this poll. Um, Thank you, Carly. Yeah. Thanks, Carly, for that one. Um, again, by a landslide, the one winning was Alicia Spigro slapping Frankie Morbidelli on the head. I don't know if this was just because it was the most recent thing to happen in the season. Um, and I'm actually quite surprised that the moment between Peko Bagnaia and Maverick Vinales in the gravel chap at Le Mans was not put up for this award. Now that I'm thinking about it, because they had a very similar spat, you know, Maverick took Pekka off, and then Maverick went over and was like, "I think he did hit Pekka when Pekka was down, possibly injured at the time, and no penalties were given out then." Yeah, um, I don't know. I think we've seen similar incidents in different categories in the season. Um, BSB at Donington. British Superstock at Alton with Alastair Seeley, um, Le Mans, and then obviously this in Qatar. Yeah. Um, I think because this one was on a live track, mm. possibly the worst. Uh, well, it clearly is the worst because people have voted for it in terms of the biggest oh, yeah. moment. Um, but I think... There have been a lot of similar incidents this season, like you have mentioned. Um, but for this one, I think of the fact that it was on track during a free practice session, and he clearly, with intent, went to whether it was to smack him on the head or on the arm or whatever. He made intents to make contact with him. Yeah, and, at some point, you know, you shouldn't be extending to do that. You, the only time you should really be, you know, making contact with another rider is, you know rubbing his racing type mm. type moves. But that you know, this is totally wrong. Yeah. Uh, second place with the votes then was Mark Marquez crashing into Johan Zarco, leaving Pitlian at the German Grand Prix. Cannot say I'm surprised. And in third place then was Moodoo 3 as a whole. <laughs> Lol. Lol. Moving on though to the most emotional moment of the 2023 season, the four nominees for this category were Paul Espagro making his return to racing in Silverstone after a massive crash at the season opener in Portimao. Now, a lot of us will have seen that crash, will have known what happened to Paul. He had a massive crash in Portimao at the start of the season and the fact that he even managed to get back on a bike again, never mind race again in MotoGP. Yeah, I'm not surprised that this is is voted into this category. I wish we had a category for like like biggest recovery, like sort of thing, because we had so many injured riders this year. I'm not surprised. But yeah, for me, a- this moment was emotional to see him back. Yeah, um, I mean, watching the crash at first glance, massive crash. Again, I think we've all seen it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even just set the president for this year as a whole. It's been banded by injuries. Didn't get a single racing session with uh, all of the full-time riders. Yeah. 
I think it just kind of set the tone for the season we were about to have. But obviously, massive crash, broke vertebrae, ribs, jaw. And these are big injuries. Like, these are not just, you know, have a few weeks rest and get back on, you'll be sound. Yeah. This is a full-on massive, massive recovery step. And he finally came back in August at Silverstone and... Um, even then, next round, two weeks later, gets a P6 in the sprint in Austria. So, I mean, he made a fantastic recovery. And even though we're not going to be seeing him full time next year, we'll probably see a few wild cards. Um, yeah, I think kudos for the recovery because a lot of riders would have stopped racing after that. Yeah, definitely. The second nomination for most emotional moment was Mark Marquez crying during the sprint podium in Valencia. This is obviously potentially his last ever podium with Honda. I think I'm not going to say this is potentially his last ever podium because I don't believe that's true. But you know, I feel like that was closing the book potentially on the Honda chapter or the Honda book. It was it was it was enough to make him a grown man cry. It was enough I, to make me cry. I, I think I think there was a little tear in my eye as well. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it was proper, proper I mean I think it was it was always gonna be an emotional weekend. Uh, yeah, have you seen the videos that have come out since, you know, from Honda and Repsol and all? It's just yeah, you know, probably you know, to have Johnny Ray leaving Kawasaki and Mark Marquez to leave Honda in the same season. You've got these big, big kind of celebrations of their chapters and the scenes were just beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the heartwarming side of motorbike racing, these sorts of things. And it is emotional to see. But even in this sport, like there's so much emotion. There's so much uh, collaboration um you know the sit down interview that mark did with susie perry on on tnt he said you know these aren't just his these aren't just his mechanics and his and his and his chief uh crew chiefs these are his friends these yeah. are his you know, biggest friends in the whole paddock um i can't remember what they named their group chat uh the hero team or something like that oh yeah it was something like that yeah because they were for for years so many years, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, something funny like that. And the fact that they're not as friends, but, you know, they're not working together anymore. Uh, Mark's only bringing one of them over, I think. Um, yeah, it's just... I'm almost going to cry now, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, Don't on be dramatic. Move on to the next one. Well, this one will probably make you cry too. Um, <laughs> Ayumi Sasaki winning the Valencian Grand Prix the week after losing his Moto3 title well, I say his, the Moto3 title a week prior obviously we all know what happened in Moto3 in Qatar before Valencia a lot of people thought that the Moto3 battle should have went down to Valencia and a lot of people didn't agree with some moves made by Jamin Messia, who eventually went on to win the championship. But I think Ayumi Suzaki went out in Valencia and did everything that he needed to do, proved everyone wrong that he could win a race this season. And 
even though it'll be very bittersweet that he lost the championship, but he 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 showed everyone that he had that potential to win races. I think this moment was, yeah, a, a very emotional one because you know that that championship it it should have went down to the wire. Um, but we've said it so many times, you know, the rightful person won, and it's no hate to Jamie Missy in that sense. But I think this was just a very bittersweet way to end the season for Ayumi Sasaki, who's moving on to bigger and better things in Moodoo 2. So. No, of course, and I've got no doubt that he'll set the world alight there. Um, but again, you know, when you've lost something and when you've lost the ultimate goal, I think, you know, your only, your only goal left is just to go out in style, end the season, how you would have wanted to end it. Um, and I just think, you know, if he didn't, yeah, I think he he came with one one goal in mind, and that was to win the race. I don't yeah. think he taken second as an option. Exactly, he would, have, he would have done anything to get there, and he did it. Exactly, so. that was a very emotional moment. And the last nominee is Fabio Di Antonio's first Premier Class win in Qatar. I feel like we've just poured our heart out to Digi race after race after race. There was the top independent where he basically mm-hmm. cried in Park Firma. Oh, he was he crying. He did in cry in Park Firma, yeah. Um, the podium and then the eventual win, which I think I doesn't even matter who you were supporting in the title fight. I think I feel like everyone wanted him to win at that point. I think when you seen that it was him and Peko and they were both pulling away and it was like, okay, well, Peko's got the lead of the championship. Jorge Martin's back in 10. You don't need to win this race. So I think everyone watching that was willing. Did you on? Uh, I think I know Peko didn't purposely make a mistake or anything like that, but you know, it did you deserve to win that race. And I'm glad that it, it happened. I think it almost just, then put the pressure on VR forty six to go right. You are you are signing him. Yeah. Like we will not take any other answer. Exactly, and yeah, I suppose no surprise then that that moment of Fabio Di Antonio winning his first Premier Class race is the most emotional moment of the season again by a landslide. All these ones that had voting, like there was definitely a standout moment in each category and this is another one with over half of the votes for Digia's win. Savage winner, to be honest. I mean, I know <laughs> I almost win. cried at, I know I almost cried at Mark's. Um, well, it but... came second, so... Okay, there we go, I can say But that. only with 31% of the votes, so... Anyway. Um, <laughs> Digia deserved it, 100%. It Absolutely. was... Even though he was nowhere near the title, it was his season. Yeah, I mean, he's become such a big talking point to the point where he, where he's ending up was a bigger talking point than the championship the championship oh. battle at some at some points. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I think we saw his struggles last year. We saw the Instagram post, and if you told that Digi about what was to come next year, he would have slapped you. Yeah. You know, I think he was bold statement. I think if he hadn't stayed in MotoGP, I think he would have just stopped racing. 
a high chance yeah for someone to go from the point of literally saying that they not hated riding but they were at the point where they, they didn't like racing it. yeah they weren't enjoying it yeah I, I understand like everyone's got that need to win you know because everyone everyone's there because they've performed at some stage in their career yeah and they, they all think that they can win the championship that, that that's what they're there for they've all won junior categories uh they've all won grand prix um you know so all of them have got the ability and they know the feeling of winning and when you're absolutely nowhere near it you, why wouldn't you almost say what's the point yeah and if you can't see a way out of it either like if you can't see things getting better and it took him and frankie corchetti a long time this season to get it right I just hope his crew chief is as good as Frankie Crochetti next year because unfortunately he's not going with him. But yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's got Mark, which that's um that's I'm excited. A, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, did you did you win the battle for 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 second? Because Mark will obviously blast the championship. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Um, but yeah, this. Fabio Di Giantonio moment. I think as well it was kind of full circle. If you remember last year, obviously, Anaya Vashnini won the opening round with the Grassini team in Qatar. And, you know, a year later, Fabio Di Giantonio takes his first MotoGP win at Qatar. What a woman Nadia Padovani is and what a ship that she runs. Legend. The pressure's on for next year in Qatar. I could see... Mar- well, Mark or Alex, you know, Alex first win, Alex Marquez, quite possibly, quite, quite possibly. But Mark, 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 Mark second, yeah, but just a nod to Nadia Padovani there. Oh, yeah, I mean, I she's probably to. the she's probably one of the most inspirational women in the paddock right now. I'd yeah. say a, a team boss yeah. running one of the you know, the top independent team from last year, or well, the top Behind. from last year, yeah. I was say Pramac won, but they won best yeah. in full well, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last year, she uh, the, the, the the highest independent rider was from our team. Mm. And now that she's got Mark Marquez and Alex Marquez on her bikes. Yeah. It's not, it's not half a bad lineup, is it? <laughs> what a woman. What I'd a be, woman. I'd be quite scared to see that blow. <laughs> okay. Moving on then. We've only got two categories left. But we're moving on to the funniest moment of this season. Now, this was very hard to whittle down to just four. But I think we did quite good in picking four different um, moments for the, the funniest moment. So, obviously, the first nomination was the best onboard camera photo I think we've seen for a long time, which was Mark Marquez summing up his 2023 season he did a little cheeky middle finger to the camera after having a big moment in Saxon Ring, I think the weekend was. Now, this is obviously where he is the king of. And he crashed five times in one weekend. So I think that does pretty sum up his 2023 season with Honda. In second, or second nominee, sorry, I should say, was every time a Moto3 rider used the tap the like seat method to tell others to stay behind them because they are faster. 
I'm not. How many even times gonna, did we see this this year? I'm not even, I'm not even gonna start listing examples. Like this <laughs> is Dennis Onchu. There's so many. Um, yeah. uh, Dennis Onchu is probably the worst defender. Davin Munoz, I've seen do it a few times. <laughs> Davin Munoz and, and Dennis Onchu are just in a in a mind in a world of their own. Yeah, their world, and we're just living in it. If 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 I start seeing this in Moto Two, I'm I'm with Dennis Onchu next year. <laughs> I. I don't know what to think. I will burst out laughing. Yeah. Don't know whether Moto 2... I, I don't know whether he's going to think, like, oh, Moto 2 riders, they're a bit more grown up. They might actually listen. Yeah, maybe he'll, yeah, maybe he'll mature a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. it stands on too, so probably not. Um, The third nomination for Funniest Moment um features none other than Pedro Acosta wearing Lederhosen's after coming second in Austria. Probably the best failed celebration of all time. Well, you could tell that they obviously had an elaborate plan for when he won the race. <laughs> he didn't. And he was very close. <laughs> um, but um, he messed up the tyre and somehow let Celestina Vietti win, which, I bit mean... random. <laughs> I, can just, I can just see the Valentino Rossi meme. <laughs> like, I can just yeah. see that with like an edited on smile. <laughs> Um, yeah. in the back of my mind, but anyway, somehow, um, it's probably the funniest photo I saw from last year. It was pretty good. I mean, the fact that he literally put Velcro Lederhosen's over his leathers and did a after, whole podium after having, celebration, after possibly the easiest one of the season. <laughs> well, it was KTM's home turf, so you know, it was obviously a nod to them. Um, yeah. so he just ran with it anyway. Yeah, fair play. I just think I think the photo we picked out was was quite funny. You could see the instant regrets. Yeah, <laughs> it is quite a good one. It is quite a good one. Um, and the last nominee we had was Mark Marquez summing up his twenty twenty three season again. This one is him standing in the gravel track, gravel trap with his bike, obviously after a crash, and his arms are just out in front of him his leathers the airbags have popped on them he looks like the michelin man and he's just like looking at the bike like what is going on um or why has this happened again um it was a pretty funny moment i do have to say i don't know how he can make fun or make like i, I, I just think the whole backstabbing like weekend could have been memed yeah and just with mark yeah it's, it was rough to think of, but we're out of that now because he's he's going to be on a Ducati next year anyway. So win the championship. Well, we'll see. But winning the funniest moment this season was Mark Marquez's or Mark Marquez summing up his twenty twenty three season the first time, and that is the middle finger to the camera on the onboard. Close behind in second place was Mark Marquez standing in the gravel trap, looking at his bike, like. Come on, guys. Come on. I mean, are we surprised that these two pictures are the top? No. <laughs> I mean, by that point, Mark had had... I mean, it took until Austria for Mark to finish a Grand Prix. I, uh, I which have. was crazy. DNF, DNS, you saw it everywhere. Um, he took his like one sprint podium, and that was really it. Mm-hmm. Um, at Portimao, 
So oh, you always just forget how bad they were. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking <laughs> when like, you actually think about fair, it. Fair, fair play for the uh, Japan podium, um, the performance in India, the Valencia Spring podium, but <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and third place was uh, the Moto3 riders using the top-the-seat method to tell others to stay behind them. And somehow in last place was Pedro Acosta and his Lederhosens. Not sure how that happened, but I thought it was funny. I think Pedro Acosta this year was just was just funny. He was. He was. And, he, and he was also not so bad in the championship. Exactly, exactly. But moving on to our last category of the evening... We had Best Livery. Now, the first nomination for this one, I had a little bit of bias, uh, obviously because I did the voiceover for the bike reveal for LCR Honda at the start of the season. I just think the LCR Honda Castrol is the best looking bike on the grid. So that was my vote for... It's the best looking normal livery. It's the best looking livery full stop. And the green one? Oh, it was even better than the normal it's, livery. It's, it's it's the best looking uh regular every race livery in MotoGP. Interesting. Um the second nomination was the speed up bike, but specifically the orange edition, because they like to change their colours up. I think they had four different colours this year. Well they do a blue, they do it they've done a yellow pink. before, they've done pink. Oh, uh, red as well. Yeah. yeah red. Uh, every colour of the rainbow you will have seen on a speed-up bike. And I like I want, every single one of them. Yeah, I would like to see them maybe alternate in, 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 in regularity next year. Yeah, I say keep the pink. It's like the bog standard. The pink, I do like the... I like the pink. Or the blue, actually. The blue, the blue yeah. Pink red... suits Alonso's number better, but blue suits Fermin's number better. Do you know I love to say green? They should do a green. Oh, they should just do everything. Like just, <laughs> just do a purple, do a light blue. They might as well. Blue. They've done most colours. Just just do them all, auction them off, and yeah. Yeah, make a load of money. Um the third nominee was the Ducati Giallo. Giallo, uh, when I looked online, I think you might have spelled it wrong, Harvey. Not uh, sure, but it's the special I, yellow livery in both worlds of Rebecca. My 150 days of Duolingo never helped. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. So I'm actually not sure if I pronounced that right at all. But well, I believed it was Giallo, but... Okay, well, there you go. Uh, Harvey picks this one anyway, so I'm putting the blame on him if the pronunciation is wrong. But it is the yellow, the special yellow Ducati that we've seen in World Rex and MotoGP. Wow. Looked better in MotoGP, in my humble opinion. We we argued about this last week. I and I'm just be- putting it out there again. I thought it was better on the Superbike. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a lovely tribute to the Ducati 916. Yeah. And I thought that was absolutely beautiful. And the last nominee, I'm going to throw Carly under the bus because she picked this one. Uh, the Red Bull KTM. It's just... <laughs> what was she thinking? Carly. Um, <laughs> and she's not I'd here like to, to defend herself? I'd like to, I'd like to place my bets that that came last. No. It came third. The LCR Honda came last. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. I'm really disappointed in that because I thought I've I'm a surefire winner here. Uh, how many votes did it get if I have to so LCR Honda got 17% of the votes. Okay. Rebel KTM got 20% of the votes. Oh, there wasn't much. There's probably a vote in it though. Mm, I think there was a couple of, yeah, a, a couple of votes in it. Yeah. Um the speed up orange edition came in second place, meaning that the special yellow Ducati came in first place with 37% of the votes. Woo! Now this could be down to the pictures used because I did put pictures into the poll and maybe I just didn't paint all of the bikes in their best light but the Ducati did look good, I'm not going to lie. I was going to say used the MotoGP one as well. Excuses, excuses, it was the best livery of the year. <laughs> it was um, a one-time thing now. I actually really, really liked the yellow. They used it twice in Super... Well, they, they used it in Superbike for the last race mm. um which obviously was just incredible um so maybe that's maybe that's what i've got on my mind as well yeah possibly but uh, I, when they when, when they released it did they not do it last year in superbike as well i think they did run it at mizano too yeah unless i've completely made that up what? they ran something what? special last year yeah they, i think it was the other I'm getting confused because I know Grassini ran their retro livery this oh. year, which should have been up there. You know what? We are silly. We are really silly. <laughs> I feel. How did Carly pick Red Bull KTM when there's a <laughs> retro Grassini livery running around the place? I stick by LCR Honda, but like, come on, people could have picked better <laughs> options. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too sure about the speed up one as well, if I'm really honest. Yeah. This is personal this is like the biggest personal preference one I'd say. <laughs> I know. This one we didn't have a conversation about each other's picks. We just let each other pick. Yeah. I think maybe we should have sat down and spoke about which deliveries are actually the best this year. Oh, hundred percent. I reckon we need like a spreadsheet, do a tear maker or something like that. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. But the Ducati won anyway. I do agree it was a very good looking bike, so I'm not surprised that it won. But that is it, folks. That is the Siding Lap Awards for 2023. Go us. This is the last podcast episode of the season. I cannot believe that we have made it to this point in the year. And I just want to take a little moment to thank all of our listeners this year this year is only our second year of running the podcast and boy oh boy has it been a good one when we look back at everything that we've done this year compared to what we achieved in our first year it actually stuns me it renders me speechless a little bit to think of all the amazing opportunities that we've been given this year and it makes me so excited for 2024 and the things that we can hopefully get our teeth into for next season it's been pretty bloody crazy this year, hasn't it? We yeah. somehow made it here. I mean, this year has been like personally one that I'll probably never forget. Like oh. with all with all the stuff that we've been able to not you, Lauren. No, with all yeah. Okay. We've been able to do this year. Um, all the races we've been able to go to, all the people we've met. You know, I've met a lot of you guys at at, at tracks and stuff like that, and. 
yeah, it's just been it's just been unreal and like a massive, massive thank you to those who support us on the regular, on the social medias, listen every week. Like again, we couldn't do it without you guys. No, literally. And when we take a look at our numbers in terms of engagement, followers, listeners, we have grown so much in this year. Our Spotify wrapped was really good this year when we look at at our listens and stuff and week on week I see our numbers getting better and better people are coming back and listening and we're getting new listeners week upon week so a massive thank you to you guys and like Harvey said a massive thank you to everyone who supports us follows us etc etc and a massive thank you to everyone who has taken time out of their day to come and join us on this podcast we have had so many interviews this year We've been able to do so many cool, fun projects and people have taken time out of their workday to give us advice, to to show us around garages, to give us tours when we're at bike races, you know, have let us get passes and stuff like that. So it wouldn't be possible without everyone. So, and a massive thank you to everyone in the siding lap as well. I know you listen to Harvey and I every single week, but there is a team that do lots of work behind the scenes to make sure that we are able to do this podcast every single week. We have Anik obviously running our social media and doing our incredible graphics, which week upon week people comment on, which we are so, so proud of and chuffed with. Um, So yeah, I'm going to get all emotional now talking about it. I mean, what a team. What a team indeed. So from all of us here at The Siding Lab, One final thank you very much for listening to the last podcast episode of the year. But fear not, we are only taking a couple weeks off over Christmas to finally spend some time with our families and sit down and not watch any motorbike racing. But we will be back in the new year with lots of new exciting episodes, with lots of guests, lots of projects coming up. And keep your eyes peeled on some paddocks because we will be there next season ready to meet you guys and watch some unreal bike racing on track. But for now, we are The Siding Lap and we will see you guys in the new year.